Hello and welcome to Juggling Podcast number... 32. Polar is in a bad mood um, because this is like the fifth, sixth time we have started re- recording the first 10 seconds of this podcast because um, first of all, we didn't get the levels right and then we realized the computer's on and then we, you I just did it again. Yet. What? No, no. And then we did it again and Polar got so annoyed that she started swearing um, before we'd even introduced ourselves. So here's the introduction. My name is Luke Bowage and sitting next to me is... Polar Brentler. So Annoyed Polar Brentler. Yeah. So Polar is um, very nice this time around. Yeah. Great. Uh, so yeah, uh, just catch up with a bit of news. Last time we recorded a podcast, we were on a cruise ship, a very nice cruise ship. Not going to go into that though. Um, yeah, it's one of those. It was probably one of the first gigs where we left it, where we went. I don't want to leave this gig. I want to stay here forever and be on this ship forever because it was so nice. And I did. Um, we did the art of juggling show, which went down really well. And also, what we did, uh, or what I did, was an, a new show, a new part of a show, which was with ping pong balls and a bat and some different bits and pieces. Uh, so, Paula, you saw you saw this um, new piece of the show. What do you think? I very much enjoyed it, and I think the audience did as well. And it's very, very new, very different, and very different for non-jugglers to see it. Anyway. Yeah, I guess even for jugglers. Well, the tennis ball and can stuff that I was doing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the table tennis thing. Well, I will show you, Paula, um, a a video of the artist Gran Picasso and Gran Picasso Jr., who do up to four ping pong balls on a table tennis bat. You just do two, so it's very different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I do new tricks, too. Um, So that that was a good thing. And then we came home, and we've pretty much spent all our time since we've been home rearranging the flat. Mainly I did that. I was working like hell for four days. I'm having a bad back now. Maybe Luke has got like strange eyes from sitting in front of the computer and big ears from listening to, to podcasts and stuff. But yeah, I work quite hard. I have been in front of the computer working because I need to get everything sorted for a new passport, which is what I'm doing tomorrow, flying off and getting that on Monday, and then to the Bristol Convention. So this is the first time I've been to the Bristol Convention for a long time, yeah. So what are we going to do with this podcast? Because we've been going on for quite a while already, and we haven't actually said it. This podcast is going to be about street shows, street show entertainment, and uh, we've also got an interview lined up with a very good street show artist who's part of a big group that uh, lots of people may have seen at the European Juggling Convention. And the act was called... One of the only shows. Yeah, one of the only shows. A really good one. Uh, Yes, called Shake That. So we're going to be talking to Hans from Shake That, uh, an interview that we recorded at the EJC. But first, just want to catch up with um, one or two emails uh, that I've I've actually saved. I haven't been reading the emails this week, and I saved them to uh, talk them over with with Polar um, and read them the first time through with Polar. And we only did that a few minutes ago. So while they're fresh in my mind, let's get straight to them. Uh, So first email, quickly, that we got. Where where, where was it from? Um, was it from Tommy? No, that was from last week. Uh, this is the first time I've actually opened uh, opened emails on the computer and read them out from the computer. Yeah, so the first um, email was um, from a guy called Ruben. He says he, he likes the podcast, and then he moves on to say what he wants us to talk about, which is the internet juggling scene, maybe something about rec.juggling, the internet juggling database, the juggling information service, things like that, which would be good, wouldn't it, Vola? Yeah, great. Uh, Paul is annoyed because we've just been through these emails already and then had more computer troubles. This is the second time we recorded this. Um, but um, we, I don't really go much into internet juggling culture 
on these podcasts, really. I'd love to do that, more talk about different uh, history of the uh, of online juggling community, which could be quite an interesting topic. But if you want to know about topics and keep up to date with Rec.Juggling and other discussion forums online, uh, best check out the, uh, the uh, Jugglers on Juggling podcast. Uh, they talk about different subjects every week. Um, next... Um, Email was from AD, Adrian Pohl. He's liking the uh, podcast. He says, would you please get an interview with Sergei Ignatov? Um, he's one of my biggest juggling heroes and would enjoy listening uh, to an interview with him. He says, though I, I understand his English is not that fantastic, but Sergei's Ignatov, uh, Ignatov English was uh, pretty good, yeah, I think. Last time I saw him under the stairs. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, okay. So I, I was just saying before, the second time through this bit, the second time recording, I said, I was just clearing out under the stairs before, and Polar said... No, you said, I cleared out on the stairs and found Sergei. <laughs> and I said, oh, great, is he still there? Okay, this is great. So we're actually doing a podcast telling people what we've recorded last time we recorded no, the podcast. I, that. I just made an insider joke. <laughs> yeah, with two people. The, the, yeah. an insider. You and me. Okay, okay. We okay. are inside. So anyway. The other people are outside. They are outside. Okay. <laughs> Um, but the, the, oh, forget this. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So I found his uh, Sergey Gintov's email address and telephone number because Adrian did say went on to say um, if you were to meet him, it would probably take a year or so before you meet him again. But hey, maybe we'll get that set up. Um, a guy called Torgir Thorud um, from Norway. He says he likes the podcast, and then he says um, I recently saw J- Jason Garfield's theory and practice of juggling. Where there he talks about using the whole arm. Uh, for juggling instead of just the wrist uh, for numbers juggling because uh, you use more muscles and get more power. And then Thorger asked, do you have any opinions on this? And after thinking about it for a while, I would say I don't have any you strong after opinions. Talking after talking about it. it the last time we recorded this, I would say that I don't actually have a lot of strong opinions about it. But if you're wanting to... Which doesn't happen very often. What, me not have strong opinions on something? Yes. Okay, so uh, all I'm saying that is if, you, uh, if you're going to use a whole arm, you'll lose speed. You might get more power and you might get more muscles because you use more muscles, but it actually takes longer for your arms to move and to get control. And if you're doing ball juggling, speed is of the essence, especially when you're doing, like, say, for numbers, like for 9, 10, 11, 12 balls, all of which I've done, um, it takes a lot of speed. And, you know, Jason Garfield uses whole arms. He looks like a gorilla, which is um, unfortunate. But, hey, he can, he can juggle seven clubs better than me. So maybe with clubs, um, using your whole arm is good. But I'd say stick to just using your, your arms and your forearms. Because um, uh, that's what Polo does. And I'm very strong. Huge arm muscles. Mm. Like uh, Popeye. <laughs> it's from doing uh, lots of club, club passing. Just uh, from the right side. Yeah, the right-handed club passing. So Polo's all sort of out of... Um, out of sync with her different arms. Mm-hmm, maybe. Not, an Im- not a very good mirror image over here. Anyway, so uh, Tommy from last week, he said, hey, I don't know any uh, professional jugglers in Finland, and he couldn't find any, so we recommended the 531 Festival, and now he says he's going to get along there, which is pretty cool. Um, Pisa last at- asked last week if we could do a video podcast, and we pretty much said no. He says... Um, and then in this, the, otherwise he, I would wave to you now. Yeah, sorry about that, Malta. But he did send us a, another email and says, "I thought a video podcast is a lot of work and that it would be hard for you, but maybe you know someone who would like to do it." Well, saying about that, I did actually um, check out Jason Garfield's latest podcast because it was a video podcast. His audio podcast I could never actually listen to because the the audio format is all over the place and it never plays on my computer or MP3 player or anything like that. But the video podcast is really, really worth downloading. It's it's quite a large file. But um, first of all, he moans a lot about 
airports and people getting in the way and that's not very funny or interesting but then he gets onto talking about his gig and going to do a corporate show and it, and he goes through his you know how he puts together routines and uh, and how he warms up and it shows him warming up in his um, bedroom and telling stories about shows that he's done he's warming up in his bedroom yes he's warming up in his bedroom he's doing For ping what? ping pong ball spitting uh, <laughs> <laughs> what he spits Sorry, ping pong I balls spit onto <laughs> so he's he's showing how he develops a routine and and what he does to to do two ping pong balls spitting and then it shows him warming up on stage and doing his different stuff actually one of the he pieces does the of the same act on stage what on stage it's at a corporate gig he, he does ping pong ball spitting on the stage the same act that he does in, in his bedroom with no, the ping pong ball yeah, no but he's warming up in his ah, bedroom he's not oh, he's he not performing he in his bedroom actually act in his bedroom no he's just talking through the anyway but tell you what Download the video and watch it because it's really, really good. It's a really good video of, of uh, the life of a, um, a corporate juggler in America. And it shows him doing his stuff on stage and the good reactions from the audience. And it's really good stuff. So, um, yeah, that's, that's about it um, from the feedback. So let's move now straight on to the next section of the show. And I'm not going to pause it now because it seems like pausing the uh, recording, which we don't normally do. But that's the thing that's uh, messing up the recording. So let's just move straight on to talking about street shows. Um, Paula, uh, any uh, huge, strong opinion on how to put together a street show while I get my notes and and look where we're up to? Be loud, be big, (laughs) do dangerous stuff. Okay, now I have my notes. I'll show you some some of the notes. To be honest, um, the main thing about putting together a street show that you've got to remember is you're not going to get better. You're not going to have a good street show act unless you get up on the streets and perform. I've talked to a lot of people and said, oh, I've got this idea for a show, I've got that idea for a show, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know if people will like that. Get on the streets, try it out, find something that works and go with that. I mean, I can give you some advice and that's what I'll do in a second. But that is what you have to do. You'll know, you'll never, ever, ever, ever become a good street show performer unless you get out onto the streets at every opportunity that you have and perform for people and make people stop. And give you money. Um, I just actually want to talk through a few of the things that I used to do or I have done my my first experiences through to what I do now as street shows because some of these things I don't even think Polar has known about these. But um, my first experience of doing street performing um, and actually some of the first performing juggling I ever did um, was I, I thought, well, what I want to do is juggle. I like juggling and I can juggle. wasn't very good. I could do sort of like three, four, three and four balls mainly is all I could do, a bit of Diablo. Um, but uh, I thought I'll just go and juggle in Darlington, which is the nearest sort of slightly large town. What? Yeah. Okay, and and see what happens. The kind thing is, of town. it's a like kind of town. It's it's like a northern, it's like a northern sort of heart, like town, city, and it's it's not a great place to do any kind of street performing at all. Um, they have some festivals there sometimes, but generally not a great place. People there don't have a lot of money, which is what you want. Anyway, so I didn't know any of this. I just thought I'd just go onto the street and juggle, put down a hat, and first of all, it took me ages just to get like my confidence together just to start juggling on a street and know that people will watch me and uh so it took me I, I found a good place and then i walked somewhere else and then i walked around for about 45 minutes and then i sat watching the place where i wanted to juggle for about another 20 minutes and then by the time it actually got to the point where i got up and we still do when we don't do it on a festival exactly yeah because we always were not sure about this not sure about that and you'll find every single excuse this is what i'm going to tell you and lots of jugglers have told me this and street show performers have told me this you'll find every possible excuse not to do the show 
not to do it. You'll be nervous. The rain will come, and then it the won't sun be. Is in your eyes. Yeah, you'll be too, too hot. And like I say, every excuse that you could possibly find not to do the street show, you will find that. And that's what I found on the first time that I went out to do a street show by myself. And it took about two hours to build up courage and to build up my nerves and actually decide, yes, I am going to do this thing. And I juggled. What? And then it was too late. No, it wasn't no. too late. Uh, but uh, I didn't make a lot of money. I think I made eight pounds. Eight pounds, and it took me about an hour to make eight pounds. Which cons- you told me about that. Yeah, and that's the Because first time. after food and after travel, you you went out like with nothing. Yeah, that's the thing. It took it cost like two pound fifty to get there on the bus, two pound fifty to get back on the bus, and I actually bought some food while I was there. So in, in I came back like maybe about one pound twenty in profit, and that's why I thought uh, street juggling. Maybe not the uh, thing that I'll do for a living, um, you know, as a career option. But, you know, it's because I tried it the first time. And let me tell you this. The first time you ever do a street show, you will suck. Every street show artist I've ever talked to said, yeah, my first time out, it was absolutely sucky. It just went really, really badly. the strong survive, the people who do again. No, but everyone, everyone. Yeah, so just the people who do again have the chance of of actually yeah, getting staying there. with it. Yeah. And there have been uh, maybe two people who in in my um experience or who've told me um yes I actually it was fantastic my first street show was fantastic and I bet you anything they're both lying. Um because who was it? I can't remember, but it was just some people, yeah, yeah, I went out and I did really well and got like, you know, 100 quid on my first show. It's like, yeah, rubbish. Nobody gets 100 quid on the first show um, because we've seen people try to do street shows for the first time. Remember in Lensburg, Paula? Uh, no. But can you remember there was this really good juggler who's decided to do a street show for his own back? Uh, Luke, don't. <laughs> no, I won't tell anybody about that. It was very funny. He's got a broken leg now, though. Um, so <laughs> anyway, so let's move on. Um, so my first proper... sounds now wrong. No, 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 it's a, no. I'd just like to say that, you know, I have seen people get up and, and try to put... That, and again, he it's found... mainly getting the audience. It's not that they don't have skill. It's just that building an audience and doing street showy stuff. Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, next next street show experience I had was, which she actually really helped quite a lot to get the courage up to do it, was with Nathan, my brother. And we decided that, hey, we could juggle a bit and we could ride unicycle a bit. We could do a bit of Diablo. We're going to do a street show and this is going to be the thing. This was probably about a year after I first did this or maybe not so, maybe a few months after I first had a go at street juggling myself. And um, so what we did, we went out and we had all our stuff ready. The thing is, we didn't actually have a show. We just had different juggling tricks that we knew we could do, sort of. And we were going to do them in order, but we didn't really have any any idea of anything at all, um, how to build a crowd, anything at all. You made a street show and you didn't have anything to do a street show with, or was that later? Uh, no, that was that was later. I'll tell you, maybe talk about that a bit later. Anyway, so what we did, we had these different juggling props. So the show pretty much went, hey, look, I can juggle with three balls. And we, I did some three ball juggling. And Nathan was like, hey, look, I can juggle with three balls. And then I'd be like, oh, look, and I can juggle with three clubs. And then Ethan was like, I can do a bit of Diablo. Then I was like, I can juggle with a knife, a fork, and a spoon. And then Ethan was like, I can jump over a small double-decker bus in a, in a, with, a, with a unicycle. It's a small toy double-decker bus. And I'm like, okay, and I'm going to end up juggling fire. And the fire juggling at the end could have gone really well, except that I, I, I lit the torches. And they weren't proper torches. They were just table legs with, with bandages wrapped around them soaked in gasoline. Not a great thing to start off with. And I didn't have any way then... <laughs> 
I, I didn't have any way then to put the, the fire out at the end. So in the end, I was putting the, the clubs on the floor and stamping on them. It wasn't working. Trying to blow on them and it wasn't working. It was a street show. It was a, that's the thing that got me the most cr- crowds at the very end. It was absolutely great, that last bit there. And in the end, I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just put them in a bag and get rid of them. And, I, and of course, there was a plastic bag and then it melted around the, the fire torches and nothing was working at all. And at the end of that, maybe we'd, we thought we had a lot of material, but we got through all of the material really, really quickly. It was like over in 10 minutes. And we got, I think, probably about pound twenty in change because we didn't know how to hat the show at the end. We just didn't know how to get any money. So then we moved on. Next up, we came up with... With your first one. I did better. Well, that was like an hour. Uh, you did an hour-long show? No, no, it was an hour long just standing on the street and juggling, and oh. I got £8. The second time, we did a 10-minute show and got about £1.50. Or maybe it was £1.50 each. I can't remember, but it was really, like, really, really bad. Next idea that we had, hey, this isn't working so well, this juggling thing, so we want to just be entertaining. Now, this is actually quite a good idea that we had. We, we decided to set up the League Against Average Height. I wore stilts in a stilt costume, and Nathan stood on a box, but he didn't stand on a box, he stood with his legs in a box, and then shoes around where his knees were, so it looked like he was like a midget, and he would stand on a box, and then what we'd do is just say stupid jokes and come up with crap ideas and stuff, and just talk talk about how we didn't think that there should be like an average height, we were the league against average height, we thought everyone should just like uh, be tall or short and stuff and it was just a really crap idea we didn't make a lot of money it was more of a kind of performance art kind of idea um i did actually go on to do a few um of my own uh, league against average height sort of like a statue act but i would stand there in the box um and one of the most interesting experiences I ever had was with crowd control was one person took offence at me pretending to be um, a, a short person, a little person standing on the box and got really up. So then I had sort of like uh, probably about a 20 to 25 minute debate about um, political correctness with people. And there's loads of people. I gathered a crowd of maybe about 40 or 50 people. Everyone talking about, oh, and yes, what do you think? And I was bringing other people. So what do you think about me acting like a short person? And that was actually quite another good piece of performance art again didn't make a lot of money and in the end i lost the debate and decided that it actually was really bad for me to pretend to be a short person even if it was for entertainment purposes but quite a few people did come and put money in the hat and that was a very interesting thing so what didn't uh, oh at the same time nathan had a good idea of being a, um, a street juggler and he did sort of like a statue act but it wasn't a statue act he went out with a roller bowler and a space costume, like a spaceman costume. He built, co- dressed completely in oh, silver foil. His act was, I mean, his costume was fantastic. He had this huge, big, round head, and he put on, like, um, 2001 Space How Odyssey theme. What? How old were you there? Uh, we would have been about 16, 17 at this age. No, Nathan would have been 17 because he could drive before me, so he would go out and do stuff by himself and, and drive out. Uh, I never actually knew how much money he made, but I guess it was worth it because he kept on doing it weekend after weekend, going out... Putting on, and he would get on top of the roller bowler and balance there, and then kneel down, and then lay down on the roller bowler and stand back, or whatever he could do. I can't even remember what he did, and so that's what he did, and it worked out quite well for him. And I was like, hey, I want to go and do um, street show stuff as well. So I actually put together a street show, and it was more of a classic street show. I started off with a thumb tip, and I did some magic and put the made the tissue disappear, and then made the tissue reappear again, and I balanced a plunger on my nose and then I balanced a tray with glasses on on top of the plunger on my nose and just went ta-da and that got a crowd 
And then I would do a roller bowler piece where I would do four clubs while standing on top of a roller bowler. Far too difficult, but I didn't know that at the time. And I would end up standing on a, on a high box and with a blindfold on and juggle three knives while standing on a box blindfolded. It was a fake blindfold, but it was real knives. So um, uh, that was okay. And that was the first time when I actually developed... It was a good street show, um, a unique street show, had lots of different stuff. What? Did it get you money? It did get money. Yeah, I did okay with that. It wasn't that great, um, but um, it was. that was the first time when I knew that I could get a crowd. That was the time when I actually got used to going, hey, if I stop this person there, stop that person there, I can build a crowd. So much so that one of my most memorable experiences with this one is that I was moved on by the police for clogging up a whole of a city centre, a whole marketplace by um, getting my crowd too big and uh, not getting on with the show. And it was really right at the finale where I had the blindfold on and I had the knives in my hand ready to go. And a policeman came up and said, excuse me, could you stop that? And I was like, uh, no. And he went, no, really, get down from there now. And I was like, uh, okay. And of but course, I have knives. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't threaten a policeman with, I mean, with juggling knives, it's okay, but these were like real carving knives from kitchens and uh, very impressive. Uh, if I do say so myself. Anyway, so that was really cool. Um, and then, of course, from then on, I just kept developing the act and took out all the hard stuff. And, uh, and yeah, and then working a lot with Charlie Dancy, um, replacing Haggis in the Haggis and Charlie show. That was quite interesting and uh, learned a lot from that. But just over the years, picked up more and more and more. Now we do the Art of Juggling show, which is for festivals mainly, and I'll talk about festivals in a bit as well. So that's just a little bit of my history, that it does take a long time. It does take... Uh, well, it took me a long time because I kept on having crap ideas and kept on like giving up and getting back to street show performing after another eight months or a year and getting back into it. But the best way to do it is to get out there and perform. All of these experiences for me were learning experiences. Also, you can maybe learn from these too. That what? Watch a lot of street shows. Go to festivals and just go around and see how people ask for money, how people build a crowd. Yeah, I mean, that's a great way. Of take their lines because a lot of people do that and it's quite boring. Yeah, there are some stock lines that you can use. I mean, that nobody really minds if you use them. But uh, the best way to do it is to actually come up with your own material, uh, which I can't really teach you about. But I do want to now... Uh, now that I've talked about my street show experience, because I think that was quite an interesting little, some little stories there about how I, my method and uh, my experience with street shows. And I've got lots more stories, but I'm not going to do them all now. I want to go through some, uh, for the next uh, 10 minutes or so, go through some very basic points about street performing and why you're doing it and how to do stuff. Um, But before I do that, one second, I just want to give you these links. Go to this website, performers.net, and click on the library link. Loads and loads and loads of really great information there about how to put together a street show. Also, jugglingdb.com, which is the internet juggling database, and click on compendium, and then click on performing. Again, loads and loads of information on those two um, websites. And they those will give you loads and loads of really great advice. I read um, all of that because performers.net... Um, used to be the gym show. When I first started performing and doing street shows back in 1996, that was one of the only websites for performing jugglers, and it still is one of the best ones for street shows. So go on performers.net, and there's forums on there, loads of great information. So here we go. Principles of street shows. First of all, why are you doing a street show, Polar? To get money. To get money. Wow, did you look at my notes there? No. But it's I don't know why I do it. Yeah, you do it as a job. It's to get money. Um, so what's the minimum thing you can do on the street and get money? First of all, you've got to have someone there to give you money. 
Okay, so you've got to get people to stop and watch you to give you money. But they won't just give you money just for you stopping them. You've got to entertain them in some way, and then they'll give you money. But that's not it. You also have to ask for money. So this is what you've got to do to do a street show. This is the bare minimum. Get someone to stop, entertain them for the bare minimum time that it needs to, you know, that they'll go, oh, I'll pay money for this, and then get them to pay you money. That's not true, the bare minimum time. Because, like... Some some people say, oh, I enjoy doing street shows of 20 minutes time because then I can do more and, like, get money. But, yeah, you don't have that many people and you have to build the crowd and then just a bit of time to, to do a show. And other people do an hour-long show and people actually stick with them for the whole hour. I'm not I'm saying, but the, for them, that's the minimum time that they want to put into entertaining people. Because for them, the more time they put in, the more money that they get out. That's what I'm saying. But there, is, there would be a minimum time that you can enter, entertain someone. I think if these people would do two 30-minute shows, yeah. they would earn more money. But it's so much energy that goes into that that they prefer the hour-long shows. Because it's also something... You're doing it for fun and money. True. But my point here, Paula, was that there is a minimum time that you have to entertain someone before they'll give you money. Okay. Not a maximum time. But you shouldn't go with a minimum time. You can go with a minimum time, because that's what I'm saying. The minimum that you can do to get money out of someone is to get them to stop, to entertain them for some time, and then ask for money. This is the whole point. This is like the bare minimum. So uh, the best ways to do that, well, there's different ways of doing it. If you're just going to stand on the street and juggle, um, some people might stop. So that's point number one. Do they find it entertaining? Is juggling entertaining? It can be entertaining. And then three, asking for money, or will they give you any money? But if you're just standing there juggling and they see you and you don't engage them with anymore, they'll walk off. And how do you ask them to ask for money? Are you going to put a sign next to you, a hat on the floor saying, please give money? Are you going to stop juggling for every juggler who comes along, uh, or every public person in the public who comes along and stops and then say, can you give me some money? I'm not sure. So it's a very strange way to do it if you're just going to juggle. You can do it, but... There are better ways to do it. Um, second way you can do it, of course, is with statues. If you're just going to stand there and stand still, which I—it's not a street show, uh, but it's—it's it's one up. It's street like art. it's more street art. It's more street art, street performance, but um, it's not a street show in the way that we're talking about. But there is an in interaction. This is the key thing to street shows. It, there needs to be interaction. Uh, also, street uh, street statues, they'll have a clear payoff. So if someone gives money, they get something in return. Or if they do something and they get something, it's like, okay, now we pay money. And often, it's very obvious where they put money, because there'll definitely be a sign there, and you know they'll see other people putting money in there. So think about that. There has to be interaction between you and the audience. Uh, there has to be like a clear payoff, you know, that they, they, you give them something and they'll pay you for it. And uh, obviously it's very um, important that it's clear where and how they'll pay. And another thing that you could do is like a running show. Uh, I say it's a running show. It's a show that doesn't have a, a set beginning and a set end. It's what I've done quite a bit um, in Berlin is where you actually juggle and um, do entertaining and if someone comes along you can do a routine and then you can sort of hatch that routine it can be sort of like a five or two to five minute routine and then you ask for money at the end of it and then you get on and some people go away and you can actually keep a crowd going for about an hour I've kept like a single crowd for a whole hour hatting every five minutes so it's not like they have to stay there for the for a whole 25 minute show a whole 45 minute show a whole hour show they can give money and leave and also I keep a crowd there going but I can do the finale four times throughout and do the same 
three or four routines four times in an hour and have the same crowd going all the way through, which is another interesting way of doing it. Yeah, Mana, for example, he does just his act. Just normal on the street. He puts on the music, yeah. does his act, yeah. no talking, yeah. no asking for money. Oh, no, at the end he says, oh, and it would be really nice if you would yeah. give me some money. Yeah. And that's it. And then he does it again. Yeah, and it worked. And yes, the, there is ways... That's a good act. What? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, it's a good act. A good act. Yeah, that's that true. Helps. So it, it can work. That's no problem at all. Uh, the way that I would do it is like for the, to get people to stop, yeah, is, is, you know, I'd actually ask them to stop and people to stop, the crowd would be there. Uh, to entertain them, like I say, the second point, entertaining them, looping material, just loop it over. And um, But I do it all silently. And then lots of nods to the hat. I'd constantly be kicking... There'd be a hat with money on the floor and I'd constantly be kicking it and nodding at it. And that's another one. Uh, and of course, the final way to do it, which is lo a lot of people would say the best way, is the classic street show um, I just want to talk about this for a few minutes first of all point number one drawing a crowd first up be loud be high and be big so the um, you can be high like you can stand on something but also you can juggle five balls that's quite high that's quite attention grabbing you can throw a Diablo nice and high that's another one uh, something big is with fire something tall is on a ladder or a unicycle lots of people just get straight up there and do it you know just that is the start of the show get up high and people will stop get a whistle blow a whistle get a loud speaker shout stuff into it and it immediately people will start stopping now those first people you know they're just people who come along and just go oh there's something happening here another way to draw a crowd is to start off small and invite people up to do the show so you don't you don't immediately go for hey everybody come over here you can just sort of get your equipment ready and some people are, oh what's happening here these people are curious and then you can say something like hey do you want to come and be the first person do you want to have the best seat in the show you know the best place in the audience and they'll go oh great and you can actually invite people just to stop and I'll often say, can you just stop here? Can you just help me out here? Just for two minutes. All of a sudden, I need two minutes. And these people are, uh, often stay all the way through to the end of the, uh, of the show. Another way that's very important of a uh, way of getting a crowd is if you have a crowd which is loud other people will join in. So get your crowd cheering. Get people like doing a big, big cheer at the beginning and other people will stop and watch. And finally, big, big point about making... Uh, a street show is that you've got to make a stage. You've got to make a, a part of the street which is your area and a part of the uh, street which is not your area, like where the audience stands or sits. So m definitely make a stage. You can do this just by a big rope out in a big loop around you, or you can uh, use a chain, or you can sprinkle water down or draw a line on the floor with chalk. There's lots of ways to do it, but get people to stop. Get people to um, stop at the line and don't let any gaps be in the line. So actually arrange the crowd. I mean, there's lots of ways of doing this. I'm not going to go into it a lot now, but arrange your crowd so you've got a good circle, a big space for you to do it, and that's it's like a solid line all the way around you, and immediately people will stop and just join the back of a crowd because people are sheep, and that's what they do. So uh, that's a little bit about building a crowd. Um, but again, throwing a Diablo high is, um, is quite an easy way of doing that. Second point, entertaining them. Now, again, I can't teach you how to be entertaining. You'll have to find your own material. Uh, and I've said that before about, um, I think, in the host of show workshop. I can't actually tell you how to do it. I can't tell you how to be entertaining. Um, but just have one or two nice routines here. Involve the audience. Get audience volunteers up, especially children, because children are cute. And don't just involve children by hitting them in the face with a Diablo like I did the other day. Um, so yeah, involve children because they're a route between you to um, the, the cuteness. People give money to cuteness on stage. Also, the more people that you have on stage throughout your street show, the bigger spectacle you have. You've got lots of actors on there. There's lots of stuff going on. And they are not getting paid. No. You get all the money for yourself.
Yeah, that's the thing. So you've got lots of actors there. So you don't if, if you've got a five person street show, you don't have to split the fi- money five ways. You'd send the um, the audience members back with just a round of applause, and you pocket all the money. Um, when you first start putting to do putting together street shows, keep it moving. There's lots of street show performers who can stretch a show out for a long time, but they're very entertaining. They've got all the lines, and they know exactly what to do because they've done 500 shows this year already. You, as a new street show performer, need to keep it moving. If you drop. Three people will walk away from your crowd. That's a good measure as well. So have good hot, uh, hat lines, not hat lines, drop lines to uh, keep people interested and keep people with it um, and, uh, and plan for drops. If you know that you might drop, actually you will drop um, if you're doing juggling routines, so know what to do when you drop. Don't let it surprise you on stage. Uh, but a few, maybe five or six really bad street shows and you'll get there. You'll know what to leave out. Um, also, ramp it up at the end. Get Leave on something big, like I say, the big payoff. So when people see there you do you your go. final trick, they know that they have to put your, the, the money in the hat. Um, what was that, Paula? I said danger. What? It's classic street show. Yeah, do something dangerous. Dangerous. But more than dangerous, it has to be interesting and it has to be entertaining. Fire on a high... dangerous, but it has to look like that. You have to tell the audience that it's dangerous. If it is dangerous and the audience feels uncomfortable, they won't stick around and they'll be yeah, nervous to you give you money. tell them that it's dangerous, it doesn't have to be dangerous. But if, you, if it suddenly even looks like it might really be dangerous, it's really bad. So yeah, keep it keep it to something that you're completely happily happy with, and also just do something big at the end. Um, the, one of the most extravagant street show finales I've seen was someone who got up onto a high pole, and on top of the high pole there was a bed of nails, and he laid forward on the bed of nails and then juggled three fire torches. It's an interesting finale, that kind of thing, and you can definitely say, I mean, he could definitely say, I'm the only person in the world who does this. My finale is juggling knives on a roller bowler, but. It's more about the, of course, it's more about the comedy and the build-up than the actual final trick. Uh, but hey, it's what we go with. N- point number three about street shows: asking for money, Polar. Yeah, a lot of money. Ask for a lot of money. This is the big thing. Make them laugh as they're reaching for the wallet. So get some good hat lines. Look online and just type in hat lines or something like that. Um, you'll probably find a list of really, really bad ones. But find stuff that works for yourself. Uh, the best way to do it is is to actually see some street show performers and actually work out what they're doing, you know, and, and how they do it, how they build money. In. Uh, so, but making them laugh as they're giving you money is the best way to do it. So uh, mention money early on in the show. Mention it in the first thing that you do. Mention it halfway through. Mention it three quarters of the way through. Mention it seven eighths of the way through. And then mention it again at the very end. Get people used to the fact that you're not there for free. You're actually there to to get money and that you're expecting money at the end of the show. There's this guy called Mark who we've performed with a few times. He actually says, just before his finale, he says, everyone here is going to give me at least two euros at the end of the show. So if you're not going to give me two euros at the end of the show, please leave now. And everyone stays there and he's like, Great! You know, but everyone's going to... What? He does it with five euro. Well, we saw him in Switzerland, so it was five francs. So, yeah, it's uh, halfway between the two, I guess. But that's that's really uh, an interesting way of doing it. Also, ask, like Paula said, ask for lots of money. If you ask for change, people will give change. If you ask for notes, people will give notes. I... What? Roughly. Roughly, yeah. Um, but that's the thing that you've got to, that you've got to remember. I've done this lots if of times. If you don't ask for notes, you won't get notes. Yes, that is true. If you don't ask for it, you won't get it. Nobody will just go, oh, I'll just randomly give this guy 20 euros. But if you say, give us 20 euros, people will go, oh, I'm not giving him 20 euros. I'll give him 10. And you're like, hey. So actually, that's for more than what you think. Polo and I, when we do our, our um, 
the art of juggling act at the end we have like some different hat lines that we do and i have actually quite a large and, and long sequence where i play with somebody else's 50 euro note calling it a five euro note and getting it mixed up you know it's an old idea but you know it, it's it's a long protracted comedy routine with somebody else's money and at the end we get a lot of money if i accidentally don't get out a 50 euro note or the guy doesn't have 50 euros in his pocket and i get out a 20 euro note i get lots of two euro coins it's just the way it works if i if i get lots of money out during the show people give me lots of money and if i don't get as much money out people give me less money and we've done this i mean i've done this experiment so many times of the roller bowler we don't get a lot of money oh yeah if i pick up the knife on the wrong end we don't get a lot of money (laughs) yeah this is another thing as well um yeah if you fail on your big trick and it takes you two or three attempts you will get a third of the amount of money in your hat to really make your last trick and fill up the stage but don't don't let it hang on too long. I mean, I've seen lots of people, I've seen people take like four or five attempts at a final show and they're entertaining with it and it re- works really well. But um, to be honest, when I mess up with a big finale, it always catches me out and I lose a lot of the audience. But hey, that's just me. Uh, but I'm getting better at it. So finally, m- with the money that you have, be happy with the money that you have at the beginning because you've earned it, um, but you won't be getting big hats. Um yes. Tax-free. <laughs> it is tax-free, yeah. It's completely tax-free. Um, the thing is, it's it, lots of people will say, you know, how much you earn? I'll just be honest. My, my solo show, it's around about a 75 to 100 euro show. On a, on, that's not at a festival. That's just going out. That's how much I know I can make. It's only 20 minutes long. I can do the show in 20 minutes and get that. So in the time that other people do one show and get a 150 euros, um, uh, I can follow them on stage. And if it's like an hour slot in the, in the, on that pitch, I can do two shows and, and get the same amount of money or more um, and, uh, and have less material and have less work that I need to do. For me, that's the easier way to go. Other people, other street show performers who can you know, really do the slow build and build, get a big crowd, um, I've seen people get like 300 euros. Um, and a lot of performers will say that they've got a 300 euro show and they don't have a 300 euro show. They've probably only got a 150 euro show, uh, which is okay, but it's only them they're kidding. They're not happy with what they want. They, want to, they feel like they've got to, uh, they've got to boast. And what's that people say, you know, if anybody says, like a, if a street show performer says that they get that much, divide it by two, and that's probably how much they did make by the show. Okay, but now you have to say that you actually were honest. Oh, yeah, I'm honest, yeah. Divided two, two, then it's not a lot. No, it really isn't a lot. But no, that's what I say. But I have seen people and like counted money with people who have got a lot more than 300 euros. And one, what this, what this artist that we work with at a festival, I mean, festival uh, is a bit different, but they got... Um, a lot of money upwards of 600 euros for a single show and they were doing like two shows of that same quality and getting huge hats at the same festival for like three days in a row those guys were good and so it is possible to get a lot of money at these festivals and um, and otherwise but when you're starting out you probably have you know 25 euro shows for the first three or four that you do then you'll work it out and get more and more and more um i'm just happy with the money that i make with my small little street show i'm, I'm happy with the uh, quality of it and that's 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 what i do and we get double the money what do you mean double the money when we do our two people street show oh yeah when we do a when a double festival you know when we at festivals and stuff we can make uh, we can make 300 euros often make 200 euros for per show and we'll be doing two or three of them per day and getting paid to be there and winning competitions and lots of other stuff so it can work out so um any final thought oh yeah finally the length of the show we talked about this a few times how long should you do first of all how long should you be on stage how long will people watch you on stage just think about that what should you be doing there 
Can you do 40 minutes? Probably not if you're just starting out. Can you do a really good slick 10 minutes? I say work on that. Get three routines, one that builds a crowd, one that entertains them, and one that finishes them off and gets them the money. That's what you can do. And work on 15 minutes and then extend it out to 20 minutes. Then you'll get more comfortable and you'll be able to take it up to 30 minutes without adding any more material, just by playing with the crowd more and getting used to playing with the crowd. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much it with our introduction to street show performers, advice for new street show performers. If anyone's got any information that they want to share, maybe we'll do a, a more advanced class about one of these things. We'll get lots of emails in and, and I'll look at lots more different advice rather than just spending 15 minutes writing up some notes before the podcast. So send emails to luke at juggler.net um, with any of your stories and experiences and feedback. Paula? Yes? Any, any last things about the um, street show performing? It's fun. It really is fun. It's fun because when you drop, you can talk about it. And on stage, you just yeah, have to go with it, like that you dropped. There's no excuse. But on street show, there is. There we have it. So we'll just move straight on to the final part now of the podcast, the interview with Hans from Shake That, also from uh, the Addicted DVD. And you might have seen him of, as well um, playing Combat at the EJC Fight Club that Polar hosted. Um, otherwise, Shake That, fantastic show. Go to shakethat.com, I guess is probably the uh, website. Actually, Polar, you just talking to the microphone a second. I'll find the website. Go. La, 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 la. No, 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 no. Just hold the microphone and talk. I've got to t- find the website no, quickly. No, I don't want to. Yes, 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 yes. Just cut it Minus that. that. Shake that. Just type it in. There, so shake that in with the website. Shake the ass. Shake that. Sh- oh, no, no. Shake the ass. Shake. Uh, shake. Oh, that is it. It's the second one on Google when you type in shake that. So shake that.be is the website that you want to go to. Juggling and comedy on the rocks. Okay, our special guest um, with us today is uh, the stars of the EJC. By far, they had one of the best shows that we saw at the EJC was a Belgium group called Shake That. And with us is Hans from Shake That. Hi, Hans. Hello. And uh, Hans, uh, just could you first, in your own words, describe the show Shake That? Well, that's quite hard to do right now, but it's um, a street theater show in which we combine juggling a um, bit of magic but uh, for all a lot of uh, funny stuff and it's uh, with five people in a cocktail bar and we're, we are five barmen and so it's a huge cocktail bar and we throw bottles, lemons, shaker cups, ice cubes, things like that. So uh, I would describe the show as uh, more, it's almost for me it's like a, it's like a sitcom. You know, it's like because you're, you're the, the same five people in the same bar and there's like small episodes of you have like another adventure and then everything is the same again. And then everything you have like another small adventure and everything like almost a comedy show featuring juggling and featuring magic rather than just a, a magic and uh, or a comedy show. And you really get to know the characters throughout the show and you you know what people might be doing and that, how they act and stuff. I really enjoy that. So uh, Hans, just tell us a bit about uh, a bit about the history of the group. How, how long has it been going and how did you come up with the ideas or who was the first person to come up with the idea of uh, a cocktail show of such such scale? Well, we, we are friends, juggling friends for very long and we, we were born in different towns but we, we all came to live in Ghent and there we juggle together. So, and the, the cocktail thing came a bit from different directions. It's, I guess every juggler has once tried or dreamed of, of doing some stupid little party cocktail bar stuff. 
So we too, and on a certain moment, we wanted to go far, farther, further, and um, and yeah, one day we just decided we we're gonna take this up and do it seriously, and then we we ended up with five really soon, and actually there were others on the door, but we had something like yeah, five is quite the maximum we think, and so um, we we stick to those uh, five people. Yeah, no, just just a question. You say there's five people. Just explain who those are. You said they're jugglers. They're all from Belgium. Just go through some of the names uh, and see if, see if we recognize some of these names. Yeah, of course. Um, Joris and Nino are the, the least experienced uh, on the level of street theater. Uh, Joris has done some some little uh, fire show things and, and what you do as juggler if you're 16 years old. But then he didn't really, really find his way in a professional circuit. Um, but he's the he's a brutal training juggler. He he does his best tricks when he's warmed up after three hours, and then it's crazy to see Yuri's juggling. Um, but he was the one. He, he seemed to be doing the most technical bar tricks in the show. He was like the star when it came to Flair. Yeah, of course, he is the, he's the star when it comes to Flair. Well, when we started really going in Flair two three years ago, then. Then everybody, well, the bottles, they hurt, and well, clubs, we are actually more like clubs. And I don't say that that Juris juggled less clubs than us, but he just went on and he can train eight hours a day. He trains till six in the morning and and yeah, he's, he's very, very good, as you can see. Of course, everyone in the show has different characters, and you're sort of like the sort of the uh, the, the floppy guy doing like playing around a lot. Um, but there's other characters who's sort of like the the love heart, the sort of like the the hunky guy with the um, with the red shirt. Uh, that's Nino. Um, he should be the boss of the bar. That that was like the idea, but but not the bossy boss. But yeah, he runs the the, the thing. If if it actually comes down to making the cocktail happen it's actually he we all play around and and he makes the cocktail there and maybe that's a little bit of the true nino also like from yours that's also a bit for the two yours he is the one who go he goes on training and and do this does the tricks so the guy who's got the uh who's got the the tash and he wears more of a suit and stuff like that who's a little bit more uh, how do you say shy a little bit more retiring in the group who's this guy well, I wouldn't say shy. He's more uh, some kind of autistic, strange... Pro- yeah, sort of innocent, innocent in a way, and naive. Yes. Well, he's Gap, and, and he... Well, the character he plays is not at all him. Even... It re- really happened. The, the first uh, show, the first the premiere, the tryout, we did, his father came looking, and his father didn't realize that it was his son. I don't know when, but I think it was over half of the show that he asked to his mother, like... and isn't gap in the show <laughs> because he well just the little differences with his glasses his hair his his mustache and um, just changes that much and and he's a i think he's the best actor of the five it certainly is the strongest character in a way that you see that his character is just perfect i i uh, and everything that he does on the stage is never even a wink about it he just he just plays that character straight and it's fantastic uh, and finally there's a special edition of the show this week uh, tell us about what happened uh, to uh, sander yeah, well, that's a whole story. Two weeks ago, um, Sander is, uh, is so the fifth of the show, and uh, he also plays another show uh, with Brum, um, which also uh, played a little piece uh, yesterday here on the EGC uh, with Paul and Freddie. They they call themselves, 
Now in that show he, he stands uh, on the shoulders of Bram and does stupid things. But um, he fell off and as it was on the stage he fell off the stage and there was a little boy like running under him while he fell so he had to avoid the Hold guy. It, don't laugh. <laughs> He had to avoid the guy, and he was already falling down from from three meters high, and he 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 well he fell on one foot wrongly placed, and so uh, the foot broke, three three bones were, were broken, but the adrenaline just uh, gave him the energy to to go on, and they they finished the show. Uh, it was the end of the acrobatics, but they finished the show. After the show, hospital, broken feet, foot. But then, from then to now, we had about every day a show. So it was disastrous for us, and of course for Paul and Freddy even more, because they have a lot of acrobatics and stuff there, and it was quite clear that Paul and Freddy couldn't go on. So what happened to the, uh, to the Shake That show then? Then we had two days of a different show, and in those two days we had to change the different show, and change our show, and Bram, the, the other one of Paul and Freddy, learned the role of Thunder in two days, in two days in which he had to change another show too. And this isn't a short show, this is what, 45, 50 minutes? 45 minutes and it's a, it's a very complicated show. It's always a bottle, you need to take this bottle, you have to do it like that. If, if the bottle is gone, you need to take this cup and not another cup, because it, it, it's extremely, it's, it's fantastic. Bram is, is a very clever guy and you, we, we, you couldn't tell that he wasn't meant to be in the show. He just fitted straight in there. But, but now it's two weeks. I think we, we've done 15 shows in, in those two weeks. Oh, okay, so that's the same way, yeah. But I, I really mean, the first show, you couldn't tell. We, we had to say, hints, Graham, go there, Bram, take that. No, the other bottle. But it was a few times before the rest. He just had the show. Well, that was what it was like. Just tell me, because if that was what it was like when you, when you first have with Bram, what was it like? Because thing is me and Polo we first showed the show yesterday and from the front and it was fantastic and you can see that you're popping up and down there's because the great thing is about it there's a bar and every time you just crouch down you're off stage and you stand up you're on stage and anything off stage is just a drop away and anything that needs to come on stage is just a throw or a lift and it's on stage again it's really fantastic um, and we saw that show from the front and then today I went to stood by the side and saw most of it from the side and I saw the magic going on backstage with you crouching crawling around on the show uh, and it was and it was like like you say a slick machine but what was it like when you first began I mean did things work or you know how were the first shows that you did and how long was it before when you first performed it or first tried it for the first time until you got it slick enough that you're just confident to play around more on stage I think your question describes our show and process very good um, yeah it, at sometimes it was really frustrating because if, if a bottle isn't there and you take another bottle well it just gets another drink and you know that the one after it will have will take the other bottle and the show doesn't stop it go on go on goes on so there's never never a moment to solve your problems yeah. well now there is but in, in the beginning not and it was very hard and for me it was extra hard I have to play this stupid guy but at a certain moment if you see something goes wrong you think how can I solve it but when if you think that you lose your face of stupid that's that you, you look you look like you're thinking too hard yeah yeah but that that that's just the thing um, yeah it, it took um, I'm gonna say a year or something but like so how long have you been performing the show now um, we did last summer, we just played it, it wasn't really finished, 
but we wanted to play little festivals. Little what, to see what works, see what doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, and we reworked it this winter. I think April, 1st of April was like the, the premiere of the real show. And from then on we were playing the real show. But we also played, I know, 20, 30 times last year already. Cool, Polly, had a question? Yeah, so where do you normally play the show? On the street, but where? Uh, street theatre festivals around the world. No, of course uh, we would like to go uh, far away. Um, last year we did um, Belgium most. This year we've got lots of contracts in Holland. We don't know why we didn't did more promotion there than other. But um, next year we want to do Europe. But already this year we got Greece as uh, the far most far away. We got Switzerland. We got south of France. So. We're spreading we one contract for North Spain next year, but the Israeli convention was very interested, the Cordobese. Uh, hey, we went there last, uh, this year, it's really good, go there if you can. Yeah, yeah, we, we would be delighted, it's really our dream, uh, the Japanese were very interested, so yeah, that would be great. But is it a problem because you're five people, I mean, that means you need five times the money, so I guess... It's quite expensive. And, and you've got a lot of equipment to carry as well. Yeah, but, and Israel, for example, it's hard for them to say, okay, we'll take five artists. So is that a problem? Yes and no. I mean, I, we gain per each person, I guess, less than a solo show. But on the other side, if you want to take that, you, yeah, you just got to pay it. It's, yeah, we're not the cheapest show, but if you look to a, to a theater show, uh, with seven persons and two light persons and one director and you pay two, three, four times our, our price. Um, so we're a bit between the normal street theatre price and the, the real official theatre price, I think. But yeah, on the other side, if you want us, then you pay us. It's a bit that, I guess. Yeah, it's the way of the world. So you think this is going to work? I mean, you, you seem to be getting quite a few bookings. You reckon you're going to stick with this this same show for how long do you think? A good few years? Yeah, a good few years. I, I'm quite sure that the first who will be bored of doing the same show will be Sander. And, and then we will stop, I think. But I, I hope to do it a few years. I've, I've done a few shows before and, and I never get bored of the same show. Uh, my, my solo show, I, I've been playing it for five years and I still like to do it. I, and so, yeah, I hope to, to do it a long time, but we'll see, we'll see. So is it the only show that the, the five of you have or do, does someone have another show? Because I guess it's quite a problem to have five people and get the time for all to practice and get out of their own stuff and then go and perform somewhere. Mm. I mean, it's also a time issue. I yeah, we manage. We're friends and we live in the same city. Um, so, yeah, we manage to, to practice. I don't say it's easy always. Um, for the show in summer, we, we keep the summer completely open for Shake That, but also for Paul and Freddy. But what we worked with last year and will continue is uh, taking only options. and. Uh, if they ask us a week for Israel, we don't take option, we sign. But otherwise, we take option, we say, oh, if you can book at the same festival, Bon Freddy, very good show, then we can say yes, but just for one show. And so we, we wait a bit and, and it works. We, we have, we, we were, we're selling mostly the same shows at the same festival, and so there are no much problems. Um, yeah, that's a bit how we try to solve that problem.
Cool. Just the thing, because I just think you're all from um, all, all from Belgium. Is that overlap between you and the Addicted DVD? Because I think I, I I know I think you're in it, aren't you? And Sanders in it. Who is there anyone else in that uh, in that DVD? So if we want to check out your juggling moves, we can uh, we can order the uh, Addicted DVD. Yeah, of course. The Addicted uh, DVD is a, a completely different project, but it's with the same people. Actually, it's our it's us five. Bram, who now replaces Sander, is in it too. It's a bit the Ghent juggling crew and the guests from Belgium. Although also the Legondanos, the the French ring jugglers, um, are in it. But we, we we stick to really friends. Not we won't gonna invite good jugglers because they're good. And of course we we have lots of juggling friends. But I I wouldn't call you a juggling a good yeah. friend. You're, you're a, fr a juggling friend because we know you from conventions. But not really. But like that, Morgan is on it too, the, the French ball juggler who will perform on the EJC Gala. And yeah, that, that's a bit it. Uh, some, some North French jugglers and, and, and Flemish Belgian jugglers. Um, there's, a, there's not much shaking on it, almost nothing, a bit in the extras. And other creative juggling things with balls, clubs, uh, well, and trampolines, which I think is my favorite part of the entire. I, I think oh, the trampoline. that one? Yeah, the oh, trampolines. I didn't know what you're talking about? Yeah, the trampoline section is probably one of my favorite sections of any juggling DVD ever. Yeah, they're, they're great, those guys. Um, I don't know. Have you already seen the extras? I haven't seen the extras. No, I've just seen the sort of the main feature of it, and, and not even all of that. But you know, I've seen I've seen chunks of it, and I, I was just amazed just for the quality, and that you're all using um, the uh, the Henry's Volley Club clubs as well. Yeah, that's another reason. But like, check check uh, Le Butrio, the, the trampoline guys. Their their promo video is in the extras of, of uh, the addicted DVD, and that's it's a great show too. Ah, uh, well, we'll check that out. Well, thanks a lot. I no, I have one last question. No, two last questions. How many bottles do you have? Uh, you mean well, lots of. Um, I don't know, but lots, lots. Um, for the, for one show, you mean, for example. That must be 30 bottles or something, uh, yeah, something like that. And how many cars full of stuff, like of equipment? Yeah, a lot. We, we got a, a really big uh, van, which uh, has a lot of seats, so we can take six persons if you want, with some space for luggage and our equipment, and then a, a big trailer. Um, but it's a big problem because uh, actually we're overweighted for a normal driver license and until now nobody has a, has the real license so if uh, we get checked uh, uh, go right, driving home because uh, it's just too heavy yeah so we could be in problems if they check us uh, here in Greece <laughs> but yeah let's hope they don't Well, the music started and we're running out of uh, tape on this mini disc, so uh, I'd just like to say, Hans, thank you very much uh, for doing this interview and thank you very much for performing here at the EJC. It's been fantastic to see you. Well, the same for you. Thank you very much for organizing the fight night, other stuff you organized. Oh, yeah, Hans came third in the fight night. Looked pretty good there. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> okay, well, thanks a lot. That'll do. Yeah. So, Polo, that was the interview. Did you enjoy that interview yes, with Hans? Yes, I loved it. Uh, it's been an interesting podcast this week because we've been um, trying to do this with one microphone sitting miles apart. So sorry if the audio quality hasn't been up to scratch and the levels are over a bit. But yeah, um, Once I had my own microphone. Yeah, but we're going to get talk too much, so Luke took it away again, and now I can't talk because he always has the microphone 
close to his face instead of mine. Okay, we just need to get a, a new mixer because the mixer that I got was was an old tatty crappy one, but um, it it was okay. But um, oh no, uh, it's okay. Um, I'm I'm recording this through the mini disc rec recorder as well at the same time, so don't worry about it. We'll be cool, yeah. Okay, so that's the end of the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you, and see you at podcast number thirty-three. Juggling podcast number thirty-three. Bye. Hello and welcome to. Oh, Hello. Okay, I just uh, yeah, cause, uh, scrapey noise. Hello and welcome to Hello. juggling. <laughs> just let me get past the worst sentence. Hello and welcome to juggling podcast number thirty-two. Uh, my name's Luke Boich, and we're recording this in Berlin. Sitting next to me is Paula Brentler. And uh, yeah, here we are, podcast number. Hello. 32, yeah, Polar's still um, shouting. Thank you very much. Waving. And waving, yeah, nobody can... Oh, it's not a video podcast.